Hello, and welcome to episode 95 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to talk about having no lands in your deck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess that's kind of something that we've talked about some on in Discord a little bit lately, but not quite this way. So, um, if you want to tweet at us your no land creations, you can get at us yeah. at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. Uh, you can also drop us an email show at Casual Tryhard uh, If you're looking to pick up any of this, the singles for any of these decks that we're talking about or whatever, uh, make sure you use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you pick up or anything you purchase after following that link, we'll get a small percentage of to help keep the show rolling. If you want to support a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get early access to our show notes. Um, I usually try and post them on Wednesdays before the show goes live. And you also get to hear our pre-show ramblings while we're sound checking, getting the episode roll and all that kind of stuff. And typically I post those on Tuesdays. So yeah. if you're interested in that, or if you want to you know, just help us keep the show rolling along, hit up our Patreon. Um, I mentioned our Discord briefly. Down in the description, there should be a link to get into our Discord server. Uh, the link, I believe, is also posted on Twitter and Facebook. If you're interested, please hop on over there and join in the discussion. We talk about all sorts of stuff from show ideas to what kind of decks you're playing to you know what kind of stuff you're seeing on Arena. Or somebody posted up today they really liked our idea of the Christmas Elves secret lair. Was so. that person Mark Rosewater? Was he on our Discord? It wasn't, but maybe we should send it to him. Yeah, wait, I should just tweet it at him, yeah. yeah. Unsolicited card designs, go. Yeah, just art direction. Just <laughs> unsolicited art direction. Yeah. Like, they don't want me designing cards. There'll be some sweet combo decks in a lot of formats. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think we've had enough uh, combo cards as of, as of recently. Nah, we can have a few more. <laughs> Never enough. Never enough. Speaking of combo decks. Well, one thing I wanted to point out about TCG before I go on. Okay. Uh, this past weekend was the first time, probably since COVID hit, that oh, they, there was a, yeah. a, a bonus cash thing. Yeah. Where they were giving you cash back for buying cards. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking to buy some cards um, with uh, using our affiliate link, I'm guessing that there's probably going to be one for Black Friday as well. Uh, probably. There may also be one. Typically, these things came out um, right around set release time also to kind of incentivize people to pick up cards from new sets. So if they're doing it again, yeah, I would imagine there's going to be one Black Friday and that there will probably be one around um, Kaldheim also. And they usually do one like after Christmas for yeah. your like sweet Christmas cash. So just keep that in mind that the there's a way to like kind of eke a little bit more value out of your card purchases. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Now speaking of combo decks. Yeah. Speaking of combo decks. So I saw a, a video about uh, a no land combo deck that I hadn't seen before in modern, mm -hmm. and it gave me the idea that maybe this is something we could talk about. Because since you're not playing lands, 
it mm-hmm. really knocks down the price of your modern decks. So yeah, I, I went through like the top four ish uh, most played decks in modern, and just priced out the lands. I didn't c- account for any other cards in the deck. This is just the mana base, and uh, Uro Pile is the number one played deck in modern. Just the mana base costs five hundred and thirty-five dollars. Death Shadow was three hundred and eighty-three dollars. Uh, Jeskai Control was four hundred and thirty-eight dollars, and Jund is four hundred and forty-five dollars just for your lands. Yeah, so that's pretty prohibitive. And even if you have the shock lands from playing during uh, Ravnica standard, the most recent one, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that is rolled up into fetch lands. Right. And that has been something that they've shown that they're not willing to reprint into cheapness. Right. So that's a really prohibitive cost for modern. The way mm-hmm. around this sometimes is like monocolored aggressive decks. But even yeah. decks like mono red are playing a bunch of non-basics either for mm-hmm. you know splashes for sideboard cards or they're playing the um horizon lands yeah just so you get a redraw yeah just to like kind of like make it so you it's harder to flood so yep. even they are playing a lot of expensive lands and that's not counting like how much the actual spells are. So right. even in like mono red, something kind of dumb like lava spike is still like two or three dollars for like a common. Yeah, I mean they were more than that. Is they that were like they are now? five or seven or something. Yeah, I think like because they got reprinted, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was in Ultimate Masters. Yeah, but the original uh, lava spike from Kamigawa block. Yeah. They were five to seven dollars for a while, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, like, I wanted to. I thought these decks that are using the MDFCs that are currently in standard, mm-hmm. while they are comboy, so that is kind of my cup of, cup of tea. Yeah. They do play. The different versions play differently, mm-hmm. and some, very differently. I was kind of amazed going through these three deck lists how different they they actually are. Yeah, so some of them are just like all in combo, and mm-hmm. other ones can play kind of a a more like controlling tempo y mm-hmm. style where you're just trying to like hold the fort to get to your combo turn, but yeah. like your deck actually does stuff other than combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other ones are just like, well, I do my thing on turn four every game. I hope it's good enough. Maybe I can do it on <laughs> turn three, and I hope it's good enough. So it would give you something that you could use cards that are currently in standard that yeah, are stuff that you might already have. Yeah. That are relatively inexpensive and then augment them with some oddball modern legal cards. Definitely right? some weird ones. Yeah. But the, the joy of the oddball cards are they're not highly sought after. Right. So you can build your deck with like, you know, odds and ends and make a reasonable deck, but you're not spending, uh, you know, even like lightning bolts are like $2 or 
mm-hmm. or I'm trying to think. I was going to say Tarmogoyf, but that card's not playable anymore. Um, uh, Thoughtseize is 15 bucks. Yeah. So you're not having to find Thoughtseizes and other like staple cards. You're kind of yep. off in your own little area. And if it's the kind of deck you enjoy, mm-hmm. right, you can put it together and play it and not break the bank. Right. And also because they're so different, like you can customize your deck in terms of like how you want it to play out. Yeah. So, all right. So we talked about this before in that the MDFCs do silly stuff with cards (laughs) that care about lands. That's an understatement. Yes. Um, Silly stuff is these decks are kind of like legacy dredge where you're just playing a different game of magic than your opponent is like, you're not kind of bound by the same rules. Yeah. You're not, you're not worried about the battlefield too much Mm -hmm. or the, what's going on in the stack. You're just trying to get to your combo turn. Right. And you're getting there in a way that you shouldn't be able to get to because you're not playing any lamps. Right. So there are, like I said, there are three variants. Mm -hmm. I think the one that is seeing the most success right now or is like most represented is the Oops All Spells deck in Modern. Mm -hmm. And so it gets its name from the Legacy deck that was Oops All Spells. Oops All Spells. That won a GP. Like the deck now is like a meme deck. Yeah. That's fun and people play. Well, I mean, it might not be a meme now. No, it's not a meme now. It's yeah. it's way better. But for it, no one. This guy shows up. I forget his name. Shows up to like GP Milwaukee or something mm-hmm. in like 2014 or 15 with this deck no one's ever seen before, <laughs> and just proceeds to embarrass people, and. Because the deck wins on turn one pretty consistently. And so he just kind of like tore through the tournament. No one knew what he was doing, and he wins the tournament. And then after that, it's a legacy deck that at the time was like dirt cheap, and it Mm -hmm. still is kind of cheap. Mm -hmm. Like Chrome Moxes changed that a little bit because they're like ridiculously expensive. But I think they just got reprinted though, didn't they? Yeah. I don't know if they are cheaper now, but... It was a deck that people could show up and if they wanted to play like a legacy side event, you could just play Oops. Mm -hmm. I have sleeved it up. It is a good time. Right? And it was all based on not having lands in your deck. Yeah. Here with the MDFCs, we get to have lands in our decks that don't count as lands. So someone had asked earlier like in Discord, like why is it that I can like play an MDFC off the top of my deck as a land with Rada, but I can't put it onto the battlefield with like a growth spiral. And I was like, I don't know. The rules are hard. <laughs> like <laughs> rules are weird. Yeah. You can play them out of the graveyard as lands, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is, it is weird. And so we're taking advantage of that weirdness to have lands that we can play and get mana from, but then mm-hmm. cards that look for lands don't see them as don't lands. See. Yeah, they see them as the front side. Right. So the key to oops is 
two cards from Gatecrash. Are they both from Gatecrash? I think. They are both from Gatecrash, yep. Sweet. So, uh, so yep. the, the first is Undercity Informer. Uh, it's two and a black for a 2-3, and you can pay one generic and sacrifice it, or sacrifice a creature. Uh, target player reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a land card, then puts those cards into his or her graveyard. So you're not playing any lands, so you are paying three, three mana for a 2-3, and then you're paying one and sacrificing a creature to take your entire deck and put it in your graveyard. Yes. Um, and Balustrade Spy does the same thing, except it's three and a black for a two, three, and it's a enter the battlefield trigger instead of a activated ability. Yeah. The, the Spy flies, though, too. Ooh. Yeah, Spy flies. Yeah. yeah. If you, it's a if vampire. You, if it's to the point that your Spy matters that it flies, you've probably lost. <laughs> uh, I'm going to block. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Hey, man, I'm pretty sure that you've closed out games with the Vampire Hexmate before. Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. I have. <laughs> Desperate times, man. So what this this version of the Landless decks is the more graveyard-focused deck. Oh, definitely. And it's winning the game in a, it's a convoluted way. So, yeah, there's a couple steps to it. Yeah. So... You have Venge Vines, which are uh, two green green for a four three, and if it's mm-hmm. in your graveyard and you cast in this, you cast your second creature spell of the turn, mm-hmm. it returns from the graveyard to the battlefield. Oh, they also have haste. They also have haste, and then it has creeping chill right. to mill and deal damage, so that you have like your opponent low enough for mm-hmm. your Venge Vines to kill them. Yep. Now, those two cards are reasonably straightforward. This middle portion is where things get kind of weird. The deck also plays Narc Amoebas, and when they get put in your graveyard from your library, they go onto the battlefield instead. Now, here's and the thing I couldn't figure out. How many are they playing? The version that I looked at plays two. Yes, and I, just, I can't wrap my head around it, but... Well, I imagine because... It's like the number of them is irrelevant and you want to make sure that one is in your deck, not in your hand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I see. Two two does that. Okay. So Narcomibia, when you mill it, it goes onto the battlefield. And then when it enters the battlefield, uh, you're also playing three Sword of the Meeks. And when a 1-1 creature enters the battlefield, you can... Put sort of the meek from your graveyard attached to that creature. So when your Narcomibas flip, they're going to trigger the sword of the meek and pull the sword of the meek out of your graveyard and attach it to the Narcomiba. So what that's I, why it's important that you can't have one in your hand. Yeah. Well, what I couldn't get my head around until we just talked about it was I wanted to put a sword on each Narcomiba, and I was like, I only have two Narcomibas, but three swords. But it doesn't no, no, matter. Just go on the same one. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're a one-one. Right. It's like when it triggers, then you can put it on that creature right. repeatedly. Yeah. So that was yep. the thing. I was like, why don't they have three? I feel like we should have three because <laughs> I have three swords, but you only need the one to flip over. Yeah, and then that matters because you're also playing a Salvage Titan, which is four black black for a six-four, 
and instead of paying its mana cost, you can sacrifice three artifacts. So after you've milled your library, you have at least one Narc Amoeba in play with three Sword of the Meeks attached to it, and you need a way to get your Vengevines out of your graveyard. So the Salvage Titan has an activated ability where you can exile three artifacts from your graveyard to return Salvage Titan from your graveyard to your hand. So you pay a, a bunch of mana rocks, and you can you know, get exile those from your graveyard to bring the Salvage Titan to your hand. And then you can sacrifice the Sword of the Meeks to cast your Salvage Titan. And when you do that, that should be your second spell for the turn since you cast either an Undercity Informer or a Balustrade Spy. That will trigger all your Vengevines, so your Vengevines all comes back. So yes. all in one turn, you're milling your library. You're triggering all of your Creeping Chills. So you get a 12 life point swing from your Creeping Chills. And then your Narcomibas pull out your Sword of the Meeks. Your Sword of the Meeks gets sacrificed to the Salvage Titan to cast it. And then your Salvage Titan is going to trigger your Vengevines. And then that's 16 damage from your Vengevines. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. Yeah, so it's a little convoluted. Yeah, and it has a lot of them have one Phantasmagorian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that's a oh, card yeah. that no one has ever put on the stack. And when it's in your graveyard, you can discard three cards and return it from your graveyard to your hand. Mm-hmm. So that is your insurance policy if you have drawn a Sword of the Meek. Right. Right. So like if you have it, like the Narcomibas, they there's a trigger. And before mm-hmm. the trigger resolves, you can discard whatever swords you have in your hand. Or bench vines or whatever. Yeah, or whatever to... Make it so phantasmagorian uh, to make it so you can do your thing. Because there's a lot of cards in this deck you don't want to have in your hand. (laughs) Yeah, most of them. The sign of a great combo deck is I don't want any of these cards in my hand ever. I don't ever want to draw any of them. (laughs) Yes, I want to draw exactly one of these eight cards and four things that can become lands. And then I am done. So... This is like very all in. Mm-hmm. There's really not a plan B, and uh, not in the main deck. There's not. Yeah, in the sideboard though. <laughs> in the sideboard. So the thing that this deck has a problem with is since it's graveyard based, everything happens in the graveyard. It kind of just can't beat a rest in peace or a leyline of the void. Leyline of the void. You have on here that it has a hard time beating like. Ensnaring bridge, right? Because yeah, I don't think it can be a bridge because you're attacking, right? Right. So you have to be able to deal with, like, you have to be able to deal combat damage because you can only deal twelve right. from your creeping chills. You can't deal the last, you know, eight points of damage, and God forbid they gain some life. <laughs> yeah. So in the sideboard, it has Plan B, which is Goblin Charbelcher. Mm-hmm which is a four-mana artifact that has a three-mana activate ability that you activate it and you tap it. And uh, yeah. you just you reveal cards until you reveal a land, mm-hmm. and you deal that much damage. And if you reveal a mountain, you deal double that much damage. So however many cards you reveal is how much damage you deal. 
Right. So it doesn't matter that you don't actually find the land. Yeah. So you just go all the way through and you're like, I revealed all the cards in my deck. Mm-hmm. Headshot. Yep. So you have this like cyborg juke. Right. So this version, there's really, you're, you're doing this thing. You're doing, mm-hmm. and there's not really a plan B. Right. Like in like you're you're all combo focused. There's really not you doing any kind of interaction. It's because there's no space for it. Because yeah. the combo takes up so much space. Well yeah, I mean you're talking four swords, at least three other artifacts. So that's seven cards, plus the eight mill yourself creatures, and then the four venge vines and the four um creeping chills. And then and, the t- and then Narc Amoebas. And the Narcabibas and your Salvage Titan and your Phantasmagorian. Right. Yeah. This is like MDFCs plus combo pieces. Right. Right. So there's really not room to kind of do anything else. And mm-hmm. it's also a deck that would be hard to sideboard mm-hmm. because all so many pieces actually like matter. The mm-hmm. upside is is you kind of just like get to look at your opponent sometimes and go like it's turn two, you're dead. <laughs> and it's like if they don't have like graveyard hate or the exact right thing they mm-hmm. just die right like and then in cyborg games they can't keep hands that don't have hate because they might just die it is an all-in kind of deck and we forgot to mention it's 340 dollars for the entire deck oh yeah that's you know, we started off this episode talking about that. That's less than any of the mana bases of the top four decks in the format. Just and, the mana bases. Yeah, and most of that cost is like Venge Vines, I think. The Agadim's Awakenings are expensive. Okay, those like are expensive. Bucks a piece. They are? Yeah. Man, I got it on the ground floor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're a standard mythic that's getting played all over the place. Mm-hmm. In like a set that I have no idea how much has been opened. Yeah, I don't either. Like, there's probably room for it to come down at some point. Yeah. But you do have this like much cheaper way to to, to play the deck. And I mm-hmm. think there are like other things you could do that are might be worse, but or different that you could take this like base idea and turn it into a more interactive deck okay right like you could play instead of all these like fiddly combo things you could play like thassa's oracle and unearth Mm -hmm. and be like my plan is to now my combo is my eight mill creatures two thassa's oracles and some unearths Mm -hmm. and now i'm going to like fill out the rest of my deck with some interaction some yep. removal spells and like play yep. like a blue black kind of mid rangey control deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, almost like a converter. Yeah. And then be like, okay, I've drawn my unearth. I've drawn my other mill piece. Now I can like win the game that way. Mm-hmm. So it get, would give you a different kind of a different angle if you wanted to be more interactive and not mm-hmm. have to spend, you know, five hundred dollars on lands right right now i don't know i don't think that version's better it seems like the internet has spoken and doing this is better (laughs) 
but it could be a different way to build it and have that same kind of approach. Yeah. Now, the other deck is a deck that has been a reasonable legacy deck that folds to interaction. Right. But a meme modern deck? Well, I'm, to be fair, it's kind of a meme legacy deck, too. It is but... a meme legacy deck, too. I, fair. Fair. It's a deck that's kind of... I mean, you, of... you do see it, though. You do see it. It's another one of those decks that in Legacy, because it plays one land in Legacy. Well, it used to. It probably plays zero lands now. Yeah. Um, it was super cheap, right? You can mm-hmm. get the whole deck for less than like a tropical island. Right. Well, that was kind of the joke, though, right? Because wasn't that land like a foil stomp, Russian foil stomping ground or something that cost more than the whole rest of the deck? <laughs> do you know where that joke comes from? No, I don't don't remember. So um, the professor did a video about Belcher uh, Belcher in Legacy. Okay. And he brought in someone to to talk through the deck. Yeah. And it was Jeff Hoogland. Oh. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, and then you could just like play a stomping ground here. You don't even need a dual land. And Jeff Hoogland just like, like his head pops up and he goes, it could be a Russian foil stomping ground. <laughs> I think he says it like two more times in the video. It's a Russian foil. So I don't know why that like video has like stuck in my head, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I it's, never saw that video. Yes. It's old too. It's like three or four years old, yeah. but so just what we talked about in the sideboard of the oops deck, Belcher mm-hmm. plays the card goblin char Belcher. And wants to flip over its entire deck and like, you know, hit you with the death with the Death Star. <laughs> Basically. Basically. As soon as possible. Yeah. So and to do that, like Belcher plays a lot more fast mana than the last deck that we talked about. The last deck played four Simeon Spirit Guides to kind of turbo you out a little bit. And it played some mana rocks, partly because you need artifacts for the combo but also partly because they can like speed you up a turn. Belcher plays four spirit guides, no mana rocks, but a whole bunch of rituals. So it plays like desperate ritual, pyretic ritual to uh, like up the number of mana you can produce in a turn. So the, the uh, oops deck, you need to get to your combo piece, one of your Mm -hmm. eight combo pieces, and you need to get to four mana. Right. The Belcher deck, you want to get, you need to get to seven mana. Seven mana, yep. And uh, because it's four to cast Belcher, three to activate. You mm-hmm. can like spread it out across two turns. You can be on the installment plan, but then you're just crossing your fingers and your toes that your opponent doesn't have artifact removal. Or kill you. <laughs> or kills you. It needs to get to seven mana. So everything in the deck, all the rituals are, I need to get to seven mana in one turn, play mm-hmm. my Belcher, activate it. Right. So you not only have to draw your Belcher, you also have to draw like enough fast mana to get to seven. Mm-hmm. So it has the advantage of not being graveyard based. Yeah. So you don't fold to Leyline of the Void or, or Rest in, in Peace. peace. Yep. Right, but it does have the issue of I do believe uh, Char Belcher targets. 
It does. So, so you do fold to Ley Line of Sanctity. So Ley Line of Sanctity is a problem yep. since you can't target your opponent. Yep. But this is going to let you uh, like have a different angle of attack. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you don't get to share a lot of the MDFCs because the other deck is kind of black-based, and right. this one's red-green. Right. You can share some because past like Agadim's Awakening, I don't think the color of your mana super matters a whole lot. No, like, like for your, the, for your the last ones. deck we were talking about played Thoughtseize, so you definitely want some black mana sources. This one only cares about red sources, so you can play you know whatever other colors you want. Yeah, but as long as they just come into play, you have the the mythic ones that come into play untapped. Yeah. So the version that we found has some interesting main deck choices that yeah, are it's allow- really really weird that are allowing it to kind of attack on multiple axes. Yeah, it it looks like it almost plays like a prison deck. Yeah, um, it plays main deck Blood Moon. Um, which you don't care about. All you need is red mana, so you don't care about the Blood Moon turning your Turn Timber Symbiosis into a mountain. But it also plays Karn the Great Creator with a Wishboard and another Belcher in the Wishboard so you can wish for it. So that's kind of interesting. You know, you can tutor up whatever prison piece that you need for whatever situation you're in. And it played Chalices, right? Or I saw a version that played Chalices. I don't know if the version you found did. Oh, no, the version that I found did not. I saw a version that played Chalices as well to take advantage of the Simeon Spirit Guide like Fast Mana. Yeah, and actually that makes a lot of sense because you're not the only one drops you're playing are Spike Field Hazard. And yeah. You're not like casting those, so. Yeah. So playing Chalices really drives the cost of the deck up substantially. Uh, right, this chalices one is... are cheap now, man. Oh, they are? Yeah. Man, I'm living yeah. under a rock. I, look them up. Yeah. I looked them up the other day. I couldn't believe how cheap they were. They're still 45 bucks. Okay. I mean, they used to be like 80 Yeah. So 45 is still a lot if you're trying to like ball on a budget. Yeah. So this one was, this deck was 338 Mm-hmm. Right. So about the same as the other one. But you play Blood Moons. You can play Chalices as a way to like lock your opponent out till you find your pieces that you need. Yep. Um, so this is, uh, you have here, in addition to being a little soft to ley line, or a lot soft, mm-hmm. a lot it's soft. soft to counter magic. Mm-hmm. Because if your opponent knows what's up, only one spell matters. Yeah, they don't have to, you know, hold a counter spell up for, you know, whatever random piece they think is important or multiple different pieces. The only spell that matters in Belcher is Belcher. Yeah, and with uh, Pact of Negation, like, you even kind of lose the out of, like, I'm just going to do this on turn one. Yeah. Where, like, oh, I have, like, the best possible hand. We're just going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose you lose the ability to do that because they can play, they can play Pact. Yeah. So that's, like, the downfall of this deck in Legacy is every blue deck plays four force of us. Yeah. So, okay. One of the, so the list that's coming up when I click my link now, isn't the list that I looked at when I wrote the episode. So I don't know if uh, goldfish changed something, 
but the version that I looked at when I wrote the episode um, ran some empty the warrens in the sideboard so you could have like kind of a backup storm kill where like counter magic wouldn't really matter and ley lines wouldn't matter. You just ritual a couple times and make some goblins and hopefully your opponent can't deal with the goblins because they either mulliganed into oblivion trying to disrupt your belcher plan or they're just not set up to kill deal creatures. With, yeah, because like they're not going to bring in anger of the gods against your like one artifact. Right. Right, so you just are like, oh. Like, you hope that like turn one you're like, land... Mana monkey, ritual, ritual, empty the warrens, here's six power. Go. Good luck. I hope this is good enough. Mm-hmm. It probably is. Yeah, it, pr- it usually is at that point. <laughs> You're yeah. usually fine. Yep. So what kind of got me on this kick was uh, I was watching a Saffron Olive video that for selective memory combo in modern yeah and um yeah i had no idea what selective memory was and when i legitimately did not know what this card existed did not know it existed upon reading it i was like i'm disappointed in you i should know what this is this is right (laughs) up my alley right so selective memory is a four mana sorcery it's three and a blue from this rise of the aldrazi uh, World Wake, I believe. World Wake, okay. And it says, remove any number of non-land cards in your deck from the game. Basically, search your library, remove yep. any number of non-land cards. Yep. Well, if all your You can lands, choose all of them. <laughs> you can choose all of them. So yeah. if all of your cards are MDFCs, this basically, I like how you described it, it is kind of doomsday basically yeah you can set up whatever pile you want yeah like i think you have to shuffle afterwards so it's not like you oh can yeah, just, yeah you, you can't just shuffle. stack it right. but you can kind of pick what cards do i wish i had in my deck and yeah. oftentimes you wish you just had a thassa's oracle <laughs> as the only card as the only card and yeah. you've committed to this plan and it better stay there so this was I think at best a rough version of what this deck could be. Yeah, I didn't actually watch the video, and full disclosure, this is definitely not a James deck. This is definitely more of a Brian deck, so I'm sure you have a lot more nuance about like what's happening here than I do. But if I were to build this deck, it would not look like this whatsoever. So... The things about it that I like, so it was a blue-white deck. Yeah. Um, basically, the white was there for the A plan of Teferi Time Raveler. So this kind of gives you two things. If you resolve a Teferi on three, mm-hmm. on four, you can plus it, selective memory on their end step, mm-hmm. and then you know that you are cleared for takeoff on your Thassa's Oracle because they don't have, they, they can't interact. They can't cast instance. Something that he kept bringing up in the video is there's the, it's the cleric, the one three that when it comes into play, you gain two life or three life. Yeah. Skyclave cleric. Yeah. He was like, Oh, we can play this against like 
burn. And I was like, you could. Or you could do <laughs> anything else. So what I liked about this was that it is kind of, it is slower. Mm-hmm. But there's more room for you to, like, play actual magic. Yeah. Right? Like, the other ones are pretty all in. This you could play, you can play counter spells and removal because your combo is really compact. It is yeah, just one card, yeah. Well, and you need your win condition, right? So you need thoughts or the one card finds your win condition, exactly. And I think the the list that Saffron had was had like four Thassa's oracles in it mm-hmm. or something, or three. Like, it really feels like you could play two, yeah. And then your four selective memories and the rest of your deck is kind of digging you to it and Mm -hmm. gumming up the works. So if you stayed blue white, like Teferi is just like a preemptive counter spell to like protect your combo. But you could play things like Remand or Path to Exile and just Mm -hmm. stay alive and then just eventually be like, oh, I guess I kind of put it together. I guess I'll win now. Mm-hmm. as opposed to the other ones are like oh i guess i put it together i really hope you don't have interaction like this you can like make it so that you can interact with their interaction yeah which was kind of what attracted you to the uh inverter decks right yeah it's like you can play like actual magic and you can you know just have some agency yeah. where like i like i like dredge and I like the fast combo decks, but sometimes you just like look at your opponent and go like, as I have said at a team event once or twice, <laughs> I didn't come here not to do this. Right. And you just do the thing and you hope the thing works. Yep. Right. Like with depths, you can do the thing, but there's also like an entire like B and like C plan, depending on how you've built the deck. Right. Like you can actually like play games of magic if, doing the thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And here you can play magic before you have to do the thing. And your thing is pretty resilient, right? You yeah. still have the like soft to counter magic where you're like, Oh, well I'm playing the one card that matters. Yeah. But, but I mean, the nice part about being base blue is you have counter magic as well. You have counter magic as well. You have ways to dig for it. And something that was interesting is you never expose your combo piece mm-hmm. to your opponent in terms of like hand disruption. Right. You don't ever have to draw it and it just sits on the top of your deck. Yep. So that gives you a little more security than you would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And this is another deck that you could, again, it could be blue, black, and have thought seizes and removal. It could, could. be it could be blue red, and mm-hmm. you could play fast mana. Yeah, and you could try to turbo it out and be more all in on the combo, but still have things like, is it charm, to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I need this to like counter a spell, or I need it to kill that creature, or I need to dig to my compo piece. Yeah. Right, you would have you could have more flexibility. I mean, but with red, you also get lightning bolts. You get bolts for removal. You get the fast mana. Yeah. Like, you could, like, board into, like, almost a, like, like, you could board into, like, 
through the breach emrakul right you could just yeah. be a different deck yeah right so there's a lot of a lot of flexibility when you're not taking your entire deck and making it combo pieces right right the first two are like i am all combo pieces and that is what we're doing and this one's like there are six combo pieces basically or seven and then yeah. the mdfcs and then the rest of your you know the rest of your 30 cards are how do you want the game to play out mm-hmm. or th- the rest of your 25 cards are like what do you want to be able to do so did you watch the video i watched went along the with the he went for one did he use the backup plan at all oh yes it has three belchers in it he won more games with the belcher plan did he really yeah so there were a few times where he just went like turn two Penthead Prism to put two counters on it, turn yeah. three Belcher and just said, "If you can't kill my Belcher, you die." <laughs> and, and they couldn't, they couldn't kill his Belcher. There were times that his Belcher got blown up, and he was just like, "All right, I guess we're on like this other plan." And yeah. that is a that was something that was also good about this is the fact that it had both, yeah, the Belcher plan and the Selective Memory plan, right? Mm-hmm. It just gave you more outs. Right, like if you one, it gave you more combo pieces that won you the game. Right, it gave you you had seven things that kind of won you the game, mm-hmm. and it made it so they had to account for two things. Right, where yeah. a pure Belcher deck, you just have to account for Belcher. Right. Like game one, you Belcher them, so maybe they bring in a ball out of artifact destruction, and then game two, you're like selective memory. Yeah, and, or game one, you selective memory them, and they like are all geared up to like handle selective memory and then like leave up a blue mana and you're just like, all right, your mystical dispute doesn't do anything. Belcher. Belcher. So it just gives you more outs. But yeah, I think yep. he probably won more games off Belcher or an equal number of games off Belcher as he did off the selective memory plan. The upside of selective memories is I don't think I bought enough to move the market, but they're like 30 cents. <laughs> okay so like if this is like interesting the main combo piece is dirt cheap right and oracles are pretty cheap and you've you know probably already got most of the mdfcs yeah and like it basically just played the it played the blue one and the white one and those are the two cheapest ones i do believe i think so yeah, so like red, black, and green, the Jund ones, someone would say Jund's the best color combination, <laughs> right? Those are the more expensive ones because they're the ones that fit into Oops and the other the other decks, like Belcher. This well, one was, I mean, oh, go ahead. those ones are also like playable on the front side also. They are. The Whereas, blue one, not so much. Yeah, not so much. I mean, but like the white one, if the wheels fall totally off. Man, they got to fall way off. Yeah, but you can just be like, all right, two four fours. I hope yeah. this is good enough. It's probably not. You probably don't get to seven mana, but no. like there is, the card has some text mm-hmm. where like the blue one kind of <laughs> doesn't have any text. <laughs> yeah, not really at all. But, like, I looked at it, and, like, some of the card choices in the list, like, they had, he had Disrupting Shrolls, which that yeah. card did, like, stone nothing. I think yeah. every time it was, like, in his hand. 
I, I think force and negation is probably bad in this list too because it doesn't do anything when you want it to. Like it can't protect the combo on your turn. I think I would rather just play uh, the pacts here. Yeah, I mean, if you're so if your plan is to like cast a Thassa's Oracle, right? So maybe yeah. game one, your opponent doesn't know what's going on and you get them. Yeah. Game two, maybe they're like, I'm going to let the selective memory resolve mm-hmm. and I'm going to fight over the Thassa's Oracle. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's like when a pact would be really good because you're like, I don't care. Yeah. I just need this to resolve when I win the game. Right. As opposed to like pact mitigation, like on some level, you don't care what your opponent does. Yeah. You're like, I've got to make it to like turn five. I need to do enough stuff to like slow you down, but I don't think you need pact to do that. Okay. Or like same with like disrupting shoal. Like, I understand the idea of I want to be able to tap out and then, like, counter something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think earlier in the game, you'd be better served with uh, Remand to just, like, you know, buy yourself time. a turn. Yeah, you just want to buy yourself an extra turn, right? Yeah. Like, you're almost playing, like, Splinter Twin, where you want to be like, okay, I've got to get to, like, turn four or five. So, mm-hmm. Remand your thing lightning bolt something or path to exile something okay now the board is like relatively stable right and that's not even to mention like this deck could play like supreme verdict in oh, the yeah. sideboard like you could like be a more hard control deck that just oops i wins into your combo yep so something that like i wanted to talk about and selective memory uh brings this up is how MDFCs have changed the values of cards, right? Okay. Selective memory was a card that was never playable, not once, not ever. Correct. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. And now it's a card that, you know, could be the linchpin of a reasonable, you know, probably tier two, tier three modern deck. And mm-hmm. we might be wrong. It might be better than that. We might be wrong. It might be worse, but it could be better than that. Right. And same with, uh, what is it? Retrace the paths or retrace the mm-hmm. path. Yep. Right. The card's $3 right now for an uncommon from, is it Lorwyn or Morningtide? Morningtide, I think. Right. And so Belcher plays this because it's kind of vampiric tutor. It's pretty for, close to, yeah. But like for your whole deck. So yeah. it's two and a green, and you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land. Yep. Well, there are no lands. You get to reveal your entire deck. And then, and it's then a, you, okay. you get to put them on the bottom of your library in any order. Basically get to uh, stack your whole deck. Right. So like turn three, you're like, retrace the paths. Turn four, you have whatever piece you're missing to combo off. You right. have seven mana and no Belcher. Well, guess what you're going to draw? Yep. You have a Belcher and not enough mana. You're going to draw your mana. Yep. Rituals. Right? Rituals, right? Whatever you need. So it just changed the value of these like random cards. Yeah. Oh, one more thing while we're talking about this. One of the things I thought was interesting about Belcher too is how much mana do you need for Belcher again? 
Seven. So you need four to cast it and then three to activate it? Yes. Or you need yeah. one red, red, red. Right. Um, we got a new ritual in Throne that is kind of starting to pop up in a couple lists, but it's like the perfect ritual for this. Because if you get to four mana, you just cast and activate Belcher. Yeah, so what is the ritual? Well, I hadn't said it yet. Oh, sorry. It's uh, um, Iron Crag Feet. Yeah, so you're only allowed to cast one more spell after yep. you cast it, but you only have to cast a Belcher, then activate it. Yep. So, like, the MDFCs, like, kind of break some of the rules of magic, but mm-hmm. they have kind of promoted some interesting cards that were... Oh, yeah designed years ago mm-hmm. and just like brought them into the light and I think can give you like a space to play in modern mm-hmm. that you didn't otherwise have. Yeah. So and like we said, all of these decks are cheap too. Like the selective memory is 260 bucks. That's a hundred dollars less than just the mana base of any of the other like top tier decks in the format. Yeah. And like I said, it is probably the least combo-y mm-hmm. of these decks. The thing that people liked about Splinter Twin is it played Interaction yeah, and then got like to turn three or turn four and comboed and won the game. Yep. right? And then in games two and three, it could basically just board into being a control deck that like Nickel and Dime Jew... And like killed you with Snapcaster Mages and Lightning Bolts. Yep. Right. And this, you could build some version of this deck to do the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's something that, like, if you're like, I don't consider myself a combo player, and it's like, okay, cool. You don't have to be an all in combo player. You can play an actual, you can actually interact. And mm-hmm. then instead of winning with creatures and like, you know, over the course of like six turns with Celestial Colonnade, <laughs> you are going to win with, uh, you know, you're going to win all in like a turn or two with right. uh, your combo that you have built into your deck. But you're not a quote unquote combo deck. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's nice is you don't auto lose the game if you draw your Thassa's Oracle. Right, it just digs you to more of your combo. Yeah, you can play them early on and dig to your combo, or if you have like the selective memory in your hand, you're just like, all right, I guess I'll cast this, and then I'll cast my Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> cool. Yep. Or, you know, you get to six mana, and you just do it all in one turn, and you're like, all right, I guess that was fine. Yeah, that's kind of another reason why I think this list should be like red-blue instead of white-blue, is because you get Manamorphose also that helps fix your mana. Yeah. I thought about that as well. Like mana, as he was playing, I was like, this could just be like mana and rituals and do this thing faster. Yeah. And you know, the thing with the MDFCs that is a little like underappreciated is it's like just playing your mana base of swamps and, plains or swamps and mountains or islands and mountains or whatever right so it's really hard to have like double color requirements on your cards 
So like Manamorphos would help you cast a Thassa's Oracle mm-hmm. off of like garbage mana. Right. Or like Manamorphos could, so you get to six mana and you're like, cool, selective memory, put a Thassa's Oracle on top. Manamorphos, make blue, blue, draw it. Yeah. Right. Where like you didn't have that kind of out to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you, uh, in the version that uh, he had he had uh, shown, right. So I don't know. I tried to search on Scryfall other ways to like other things that are like selective memory, but there sadly aren't any. There are no. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, mana surveillance, which does Never the exact. It. it does the exact opposite. It's from like Weatherlight. Okay. Uh, it's uh, the art is like a land that has like like a grid over it, and it lets you one in the blue search your deck and remove any number of land cards. Oh, uh-huh, so you got to play oops all lands. You got to play oops all lands plus these four cards. Um, <laughs> but like, there isn't another card that does something exactly like selective memory. Yeah. So, and. I would say they'd be crazy if they printed any cards like Balustrade Spy or Undercity Informer in the next year, but I don't know. Like, I could just see them all forgetting that Thassa's Oracle is a card. Yeah. Just being we'll like, get some weird, like, familiar in Strixhaven that does that. Yeah. That's like two mana. And it's like, yeah. why, why would you do this? And yeah. then we're all going to be comboing people in standard. It's going to be great. <laughs> There was one more thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap this section of decks up. And that's that just be aware when you're playing, you know, decks that have your lands as spells that your opening hand is susceptible to discard and they can make you discard your lands. So it it's a little bit more sketchy to keep like a one or two land hand than it would be normally just because your opponent can make you discard your land. Yeah, that, that is a good point. And another thing is for most of the MDFCs, you end up playing a turn behind. Yeah, because they just come into play tapped. So, yeah, because they come into play tapped and against, like, mono red. Yeah. Like, just, like, lightning bolting yourself to the face probably <laughs> means you idea. don't get to turn four to, like, yeah. combo off. Right. So just be, like aware that you might have to be like, oh, I can make this turn one play. I'm going to go, like, bolt myself and cast opt. And if they, like, play a mountain, you might have to be like, I'm going to play this tapped. We're just going <laughs> to try to, you know, try to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, you are, you know, the reason these are combo decks is, right, like, you're using your life total as a resource. Where you're mm-hmm. like, I only have to live till turn five. Or right. turn four so i'm just gonna like cross my fingers and i don't mind playing a turn behind because i only have to make it this many turns mm-hmm. like i only have to make it like you know how long the game's going to last yep. right it's gonna last till turn four because you're either gonna win or you're gonna die mm-hmm. so like that's why like one mana interaction right lightning bolt fatal yeah. push path to exile are really strong cards because it lets you like play your land tapped on turn one and then on turn two have interaction 
have some way to deal with her two drop. Yeah. As opposed to if you play two mana removal, you're going to be like in a way worse spot. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. Yeah. So we're gonna transition from the world of the real <laughs> to the world of the arena. Okay. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how to approach a new set on arena. I know that we've talked about it in the past, um, but there were some questions in discord and I don't think we've covered it recently about how to kind of best maximize, you know, whatever you're going to be putting into arena, you know, buying gems or whatever you've accumulated over the last season or whatever. So I think the goal for any new release on, on arena should be to, well, have fun doing it. Cause if you're not having fun, it's just a game. So you might as well have fun while you're doing it, but kind of get the most collection value for whatever kind of currency you're going to put into it. If that makes sense, you know, collect as mo- the majority of the set for the smallest investment. And Obviously, that's done through playing limited, not by just, you know, buying packs out of the store, right? Yes, 100% it is playing limited. Yeah. You can play either sealed or draft. The sealed events are not ranked, if that's something that matters to you. You're not going to be increasing or losing rank by playing sealed. And you always get three prize packs. So for your buy-in to sealed you're going to get your six 15-card packs to build your deck out of, and then you're also going to get three regular arena packs, regardless of how many wins you get, right? You, yeah. you get three picks if even if you don't get any wins? I think. Yeah, I think you do also. So I think it's... I don't remember how much gold it is to enter. Do you remember for a sealed event? I don't remember. I'm looking at how much it is for a draft right now, but I don't remember a sealed. Yeah, I don't remember. I know a sealed event is 2,000 gems, though. And you play till you get either seven wins or six losses, and six wins will buy you another entry. So you'll make the gems that you spent to enter the event back, and then you'll be up your six sealed packs plus your three regular arena packs. And then you can also play Draft. And I think we're in agreement that the best way to play draft is the premier draft. I think so. I think the payout is reasonable. The games, the quality of competition is good. And like you get a more authentic draft experience, but it's also best of one. So it's quick. Yeah. You're drafting with humans instead of with bots. And Yeah, the payout is way better on the premier drafts than on like the quick drafts. Yeah. So entrance to a premier draft is 10,000 gold or 1,500 gems. And just like sealed, you're going to play to seven wins or three losses. And uh, four, like right between four and five wins is what's going to buy you another entry. Yeah, somewhere around like four and a half. Yeah. Or something. Yep. If you hit five, you've paid for your entry plus a little bit. If you hit four, you've almost paid for your it's entry. It's like 1,400 gems is four wins and 1,600 yeah. gems for five wins. Yep. Premier Draft is ranked. 
So if that's something that matters to you, you're not going to gain or lose rank by playing sealed, but you will premier draft. Yeah. And then when you're like, while you're trying to burn through, you know, whatever currency you're using, make sure that you don't open your packs until you're all done because the packs that you open for your limited event are not duplicate protected. So you can open the same cards over and over again, and you'll only get either vault progress or gems for them. Whereas the packs that you open, like your prize packs are duplicate protected. So you'll accumulate more cards from the set that way. Yeah. And you'll get to a point where you'll just open packs and just like get a bunch of gems and Mm -hmm. stuff to kind of like pay you back for waiting. Yeah. Right. Yep. The, um, so to give you a sense of what my, so for Zendikar, Mm -hmm. so I played, uh, my record had been better. I had been killing it. And then I went through like a rough spat patch, but Mm -hmm. I did 42 drafts over the course of like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. My record was 113 and 90. So I had a 56% win rate. Okay. I was up in the rarefied era of like 63 for a while and then wheels off. Right. <laughs> I spent 8,800 gems mm-hmm. and 90,000 gold. Wow. So, and in prize packs, I had. I had 93 prize packs. So if I would have just spent 90,000 gold in the store, that would have got me Mm -hmm. 90 prize packs. Right. And uh, then whatever the gems would have been. But I also opened 126 packs from doing drafts. So I got a crack at 126 rares or mythics. Right. And filled out all my commons and uncommons, or the vast majority of them, mm-hmm. so that when I was opening my packs later on, that was vault progress. Yeah. As opposed to having to fill those out by cracking packs. That's kind of another point that I wanted to ask your opinion on. What do you think about filling out your commons and uncommons before cracking your prize packs? I think it helps with vault progress. If you're really concerned about your common, sorry, about your mythic and rare wild cards, if you're trying to like squeeze out any amount of value to maximize Mm -hmm. getting rares and mythics, but it is a really small amount of progress. Yeah. Right? Like you're not making, it's not like you're making huge progress. You're making, you know, I don't know. It's like an uncommon like 0.1 or something or 0.05 vault progress. It's, it's not much. Yeah. It's not much. So like it might take 10 uncommons to get like one percentage point. Yeah. But if you're like really wanting, like if you want to make sure you get as many rares and mythics as possible, then I think you do it. I think mm-hmm. drafting takes care of that for you. Okay. Or then we're like, if you draft enough and then when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've earned 80 packs. I think I want to open packs now. 
mm-hmm. you uh like you can go in and be like oh i'm short a couple uncommons and instead of having to fill in all the uncommons and commons you might yeah. only have to do like a handful mm-hmm. because as much as we're kind of like a eh, common and uncommon wild cards whatever we don't need them yeah right so kaladesh is coming out what if there's an uncommon or a common that you want for a deck and you don't have enough wild cards for that right you don't want to just like mindlessly open kaladesh packs yeah hope you hope you get four rogue refiners or whatever yeah where you're like oh i need wood weaver's puzzle knot i don't have i i burnt all my common and uncommon wild cards on uh, filling out Zendikar. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm gonna have to like hope that I have enough. And like I feel like common wild cards are harder to come by, just because you're always working towards uncommon, rare, and like that's true. Mythic wild cards and like common wild cards, you just don't like you yeah. have to open them. Mm-hmm. Which is like different. It feels like the other ones you're always working towards, and those just like you hope they show up. Yeah. Another another thing is that I wouldn't be surprised if next year we got like a jumpstart part two where they like redid jumpstart. And like when they put jumpstart into arena, there was a ton of common and uncommons that never existed in arena before. Yeah. And there, like you like, couldn't buy packs of it. Yeah. So like the only way to get them is to craft them. Right, since they're the way the the packs were collated, it was like, oh, if the common or uncommon you needed was in like a rare, like yeah. pack, it was that's re- now a rare common or uncommon. Yeah, it's really hard to get as opposed yeah. to if it was in like one of the more common ones. So yep. like just having to like I didn't play that much Jumpstart because like it was fine. But it was like, is it really worth me like fighting to try to get all of these cards? Yeah, it got old quick, I think. Yeah, it got old quick. And so it was like, am I just going to keep like opening packs to like try to get an Alice Morris Shepard? Yeah. Or yeah, Muxus. It's like, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. So... Yeah, just making sure you have the wild cards for when you want to get, like, some dumb common. Yeah. I think is important as opposed to just, like, you know, just spending them all every time there's a new set. But mm-hmm. if you're, like, I'm always short on uh, rare wild cards, yeah. then by all means try to get that one extra, like, vault progress. Yeah. So to give you a sense of, like, I did a couple quick drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was kind of a stone cold assassin in quick drafts. Okay. I did three. Uh, I had an eighty percent win rate. Wow! I went twenty and five. Wow! Uh, seven one seven one six three. So the gem cost is it's half the gem cost. It's mm-hmm. seven fifty. And if you go seven, if you get seven wins, you get paid out. 950 so you're only up 200 gems yeah we're in a premiere if you get to five wins you're up 100 gems right so it's harder to get up and then if you get seven packs you get so if you get seven wins you get two packs 
Ooh, that's not much. If you get six wins, you get a pack. Eef. Yeah. So the payout is super flat. Yeah. The It's a very different experience than the premier drafts because you're drafting against bots, and most of the bots have had some kind of head trauma. <laughs> and so like you just get like past ridiculous rares pick two or pick three yeah and you're just like okay i guess i'm going to do this now <laughs> right you're just like oh i have like a, th- a two mythic three rare deck cool because they just pass you ridiculousness and what yeah. that does is everyone's decks are usually a little bit higher power level mm-hmm because the bots aren't taking anything good. Um, yeah, because the bots aren't taking good things. And this is kind of a synergy format. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes I don't think they understand what the good things are for their deck would be. Yeah. Where, like, you know, maybe they have a blue and a green card, and then the blue-green uncommon comes around, and they might mm-hmm. not take it. And then you're like, oh, I can be in the kicker deck. Or they take the blue-green uncommon early and then don't then prioritize kicker cards. Right. So they don't, like, get the, like, how things mesh together. Or, like, the black, like, it would be hard for them to draft, like, black-red party. Mm -hmm. Because if they're just drafting, like, card names. Right. They don't understand that, like, oh, Arden Electromancer goes up in value. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to cast it for... It's going to effectively cost me one mana every time I cast it. Yeah. So they miss some of that stuff. So your decks can be way better if you're able to kind of see what the open colors are. And then you get to take advantage of the fact that they're not doing a good job of drafting a given archetype. They're just kind of taking cards. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, if the payout's so flat, does it even matter? Not really. I did a couple because, like, I was. It was easy and fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh. But yeah, like, it does suck when you get to your, like, you see the payout before you start. But then you get to your seven wins and you're like, oh, I got two packs for my seven wins. Yeah. Where seven wins got me seven packs before. Right. Or six packs. So it's like, oh, man, that's like awful. And seven wins got you 700 more gold than you, or more gems than you paid in. Yeah, it was like half of an entry. Yeah. So, yeah, you got like your entry back plus a half. Yeah. Where this is like you got your entry back in almost a third. Right. So, something that I did when I was drafting, the reason I had a mix of like gold and gems Mm -hmm. is I, like, I don't, I think this was the set that I was like due to put some money into arena, Mm -hmm. but basically I kind of like set a a lower limit on gems for myself where I'm like, all right, once I get to this many gems, I don't want to keep spending gems anymore because that's cutting into what I'm going to use for the next set. So somewhere around like 10,000, Because, like, I kind of want to have 10,000 gems for the next set to draft with. Yeah. Right? And so if I'm having a lot of fun, there might be times where I'm like, oh, it's fine. Get, like, the whole gambler's thing where I'm like, I'm going (laughs) to, I can go under 10,000 and I'm going to do well and I'll get all the back kind of deal. Yeah. 
right? But like part way down, I had like a cold streak. Mm-hmm. And so for like, I guess like seven drafts in a row, I just used gold. Mm-hmm. And then that like replenished my Your gems, my gems enough that then I was able to draft. Like I did five more gem drafts. Mm-hmm. So like you can use your gold to replenish your gems in uh, these premier level events. Yeah. And right. My win rate was only 56%. Even if I would have stopped where I, when I had the, when I, before I started spending the, the gold, I made it to 30 drafts before I was kind of like, Hmm, I'm not like really happy with, uh, like I spent too, I've spent too much, but that was 30 drafts in. And like, so I, I know you, you had talked about how much, like how much you actually spent, but how, like how many drafts did, I don't know, 40 bucks get you or whatever. Like how much money did you spend to get like that amount of drafts in? So a hundred dollars is 20,000 gems, right? Okay. And so in gems, I spent, uh, Eighty-eight hundred. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even spend fifty bucks. Like I spent probably mm-hmm. closer to like forty-five. Yeah. And right now, like from what well, I right, stopped, right? But if if you weren't going below ten thousand gems, though, like that's half of what you started with. Yeah. So it's about fifty yeah. bucks. Yeah. But like right now, I think I have like sixteen thousand gems in my account. Like okay. from daily challenge, from like challenges and like opening packs and stuff, I've kind of ground my way back up. Mm-hmm. And like you know, being plus five hundred gems on the uh, quick drafts, easy money, <laughs> easy money. Yeah. But if you're able to like spend a hundred dollars and spend half of it, like you can get forty or fifty drafts out of your. Like, I stopped playing because, like, I don't know, I kind of felt like the the format had passed me by or something. Yeah. Like, I was doing pretty well, and then I just did abysmal, and I couldn't figure out why. And so I was like, eh. Like, I'm getting more frustrated where, like, you know, I think I have a good deck, and then, like, just get rolled. Yeah, it just doesn't work out for you. Yeah. Or, you know, the classic limited thing of, like, hey, I have a good deck, and then your opponent, like, resolves their mythic, and you're like, oh, I lost. <laughs> it's like, oh, I lost. I went 1-3 because my opponent went, like, on curve rare, yeah. like, each game. And I was like, oh, well, that was never. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. So I probably could have kept going and played more, but I would say, like, 40 to $50 can get you, like, I don't know, probably your fill of drafts. Yeah. And, you know, I have a tendency that I'll do like if I have time, I'll do two or three drafts in a day. Yeah. Right. If you were just someone who was like, I'm going to do a draft and play out this draft and then do a draft tomorrow, like 42 drafts would like from when the set release would have got you to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes a long time. Yeah. Like I was kind of pushing towards like mythic and then like i just couldn't quite get over the hump Mm -hmm. and that's another thing right like i'm like oh the draft format passed me by 
But like I started out in like silver. Yeah. And then like I'm grumpy because my win rate in like diamond is 50-ish percent or a little right. over. And I'm like, oh, I suck. And it's like, well, I'm also playing against like way better players than I was playing against in like silver. Yeah. Where'd you end up? Diamond? I was in diamond. I think I had like diamond three yeah. or like diamond one was my peak. And then I like fell down to diamond three. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, oh, I'm totally going to like make mythic. Cause I think I made mythic and Ikoria in limited was the last time I made mythic and limited. Cause that one, that one was a fun format. Like I yeah. think I, yeah, I did because I think I did like 50 or so drafts in Ikoria. Let me, mm-hmm. let me see. I had, I think I have the spreadsheet. So let's look here. Uh, I'll womp womp. If I may, may put the sheet somewhere else. But yeah, I did a bunch of drafts for Ikoria as well. And I think that was what I hit Mythic on. But again, I think yeah. I only spent like 50 bucks. So it wasn't yeah. like I spent like some unreasonable amount. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So... I didn't track. So, okay. When I was at 47 drafts in Ikoria, I was at 165 and 126. Okay. So I ended on, I ended up doing 51 drafts in Ikoria. I hit mythic on draft 50 and then I went one and three in draft 51 and I was done. (laughs) I was like, okay, we're good here. Yep. But I didn't keep track of how many gems I got. I did keep track of packs. But um, yeah, at one point I was getting 2.3 prize packs per draft. That mm-hmm. was at 15 drafts in. I was 50 and 42. So, and again, that was, I got 51 drafts out of around $50. So yeah. like. That's pretty good. A dollar a draft. Yeah, like you really that, can't sure. beat that. Like if you were to go to your local game store, I guess you're I don't know, paying for human interaction. What's that? <laughs> what's that, that anymore? Yeah, we're past that. We've evolved past that. So I think that's that, so 2019 needing human human yeah. interaction. I think that um, like we said, draft is where it's at. Sealed is fine. I like doing the seals. I think they're fun. Well, what I found is like my sealed win rate is lower than my draft win rate. Mm-hmm. So I switched to draft because I feel like I win more, and that helps me like get my like extend my my uh, play. Yeah, because also like you get it says twenty thousand gold or gems for. Uh, or 2,000, sorry, it's 2,000 gems for a sealed. Yeah. Right? That's five before I spend my 100,000. Right. Or the 100, gosh, I'm really bad at numbers. It's five 10, be- before I spend my 10,000. Yeah. Where, like, you get closer to seven drafts before you spend your, before I spend my 10,000. Yeah, that's true. And so, and I'm, like I said, going four, three, like you're not infinite, but you're kind of close. Yeah, you're right on the edge of. You're right on the edge. The thing that hurts you the most is that 
uh, one, two, or three, one or two wins is so completely and totally punishing. Yeah. Like, that's how they can, like, that's how they make, like, 50% can be almost break even. Because if you, like, if you go 5-3 and then you go, you know, 1-3, you're 6-6, and you're like, oh, that's 50%, but you only got 1,700 gems Yeah, for that. Whereas if you went like 3-3 three, three twice, you would have gotten 2,000. Right. Right. So like, you know, it, it really encourages you to to draft a, to draft consistent decks. And like, it yeah. does exacerbate variants because you're like, oh, I got mana screwed twice. You're like, yep. oh, I took the old 1-3. Oh, no. <laughs> All my averages are thrown off. Do you have some anecdotal evidence as to why this is a good way to do things? Right. Well, I mean, we just, my anecdotal evidence was basically what we just went over with your not so anecdotal evidence. Okay. Of my. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like what I typically get out of my money and we already answered that question. I think that I think right now, I think I ended up getting three to six vault progresses. Wow. On on doing this. And I have 22 packs I haven't opened yet. <laughs> that are and you've f- got the whole set by now, right? Pretty much. Yeah. If I open those 22 packs, I would definitely have every rare in the set. Yeah. But I am now like, well, at some point, like... You play a, a an FNM at home event, right? And mm-hmm. you get two rare cards. Uh, so like I can maybe hit on one of those yeah. and then turn my my pack into another rare that I don't have. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like it kind of works out to be the same thing where you get twenty gems either way, but like to like finish the set, it's like, well, I'll just leave some of these unopened. So maybe at yeah. the end, I just open a whole bunch. And I really enjoy just hitting the open 10 button. <laughs> just see what you get. Yeah, just like open 10, show me some stuff. All gems. All gems. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. And that's another thing that like I don't have factored in here in my gems spent. Yeah. Right? Is as you get further in, how many of those packs were... Uh, were gems or how many times have you on your like 30th draft you drafted your fifth of a rare yeah and that was 20 gems because there was a point where i know that like a lot of drafts i was getting 60 gems for my draft mm-hmm. so now if you're getting 60 gems for your draft and you go four three you've pretty much paid for your you're 40 gems short of paying for your draft yeah like that's cool so there are, are times where you like you start getting those gems for for rares you already have and that like offsets your cost as well. It's not a huge amount, but it does defray it some. Absolutely. Kaladesh remastered is gonna be a little bit different than your normal set release on Arena, right? Okay. Kind why of. Is it bad? I maybe not different. But like I don't know if like if I'm gonna be all gun ho to like draft this set 
as I would be a like regular release. I don't and know. Maybe, I was pretty. I was pretty gung ho to draft Amonkhet. I think I did zero Amonkhet drafts. Really, I did a ton. I think. I think I did none. Wow. I think I went in. I bought my rares that I wanted for historic, mm-hmm. and I still haven't put collected company in a deck, and <laughs> um, was like good. So maybe I should like take a look at uh, Kaladesh, but. You know, I have enough gems that it is not going to cut into my, like, you know, kind of arbitrary cutoff. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess that, I guess I looked at, like, Amonkhet Remastered as just a place to get singles. I didn't look at it to play, like, the limited environment. And maybe yeah. that's because, you know, Amonkhet's limited was fine, but I guess this is a different experience. How yeah. much... How much different it was, was different. it from like Amonkhet and Hour? Like those were two hard sets to like put together because one was super aggressive and one was super dirtle. Yeah, it, I mean it was definitely different. I don't remember like having an issue like deciding whether I needed to be aggressive or dirtleish. Okay. So maybe it's, maybe it's not different than a regular set release. Maybe it's just because I kind of like checked out on Amonkhet. Yeah. Like, but like I guess I I've been more excited about the prospects of playing these cards in like historic. Yeah. Than like, ooh, I get to draft Kaladesh again. Mm-hmm. Right? And like I drafted a lot of Kaladesh. Like I feel like I liked it. Like if they like put cons, if they remastered cons. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'd have enough money for all the drafts <laughs> I would do. Just all of the drafts. Yeah, because like like that was the last great draft format. Yeah. But yeah, I, don't know. I, I like Zendikar. I thought Zendikar, Zendikar was a good draft format. Zendikar was a good draft format. I don't think it was cons good. No, I mean I I liked it though. Yeah, no, I mean I would probably I would probably draft that. I would want to thought not someone. Yeah. But maybe Kaladesh isn't a different a different uh thing. All right. And with that, I we think have we, a have show. A sh- we have a show. Yeah. So if you would like to tweet at us, uh, show ideas, uh, ways that you spend your uh, magic dollar dues on uh, Arena, you can get at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Casual Tryhard MTG. Uh, you can always drop us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. If you're looking to pick up any of the MDFCs or anything else for the. Uh, kind of decks that break magic that we've talked about today uh, please don't forget to use our tcg player affiliate link tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com anything you purchase after following that link will get a small sliver of to help keep the show rolling if you want to support us a little bit more directly you can do so at patreon.com slash casual our patrons get early access to our show notes they also i post up our kind of pre-show ramblings you really never know what we're going to talk about there. They typically go up Tuesdays for our patrons. Um, our patrons also get access to our finance channel and Discord server. Um, so they have that to look forward to. And, oh, yeah, we have a Discord server. Uh, should be a link down in the description. There's also a link on Twitter and Facebook. If you can't find it in either any of those places or if the link doesn't work or you just can't get in, please let us know and we'll send you a personalized link to get you in the Discord. 
lots of cool conversations happening in there. So make sure you get in. Yeah, Monday night so is is hopping. Yeah, it's been popping off all night, right? Yeah. So with that, we will catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. <laughs>